Hello, my, my little unearthlings, and welcome back to Unearthly, where we talk about true crime, paranormal things, and all stuff out of this world. I'm your host, Kenley, as usual, and today I have a doozy of a mini episode. Um, I, I thought about talking about the Aokigahara Forest, which is the suicide forest in Japan, uh, but I changed my mind, uh, and I, I decided to save it for a different episode, because, like, why not just talk about, like, creepy forests? Because there's, like, Freetown State Forest, um, I know that there's a forest, like, somewhere in England that is known. I, I had it off the top of my head. <sighs> oh my god. But I came across this case when I was doing my research last night. And when I was doing my research on the Japanese folklore episode, that's when I came across this. And I started to dig into it. And I'm like, this would be an interesting episode for like a mini episode. So here we are. (laughs) And I'm gonna go slow with talking because I, I want to get to the 20 minute mark. And I'm worried that I won't get to it. But at the same time, I feel like I might exceed it because the last time that I recorded, like, this is my third time trying to record this. And the first time I recorded the entirety of it and I reached like 40 minutes. So (laughs) wish me luck. I feel like I got an eyelash in my eye and I'm like really irritated about it. Please. All right. Um, before I get into this, like... Before I get into, the, like, the nitty-gritty of the case, I'm just gonna say warning. Like, TW, like, mm, it's kind of rough. I mean, I think it's rough, but then again, like, a lot of true crime cases are. So, you know. That's normally why I mark my episodes down as explicit. I don't really curse, because my family watches this, and I, I mean, I'm not gonna curse and stuff. So I say explicit because of what I talk about. Um, but, like, I, like we're just gonna say warning for this, because I should've, I mean, I'm surprised that I don't say warning for my other episodes, I don't know why. Um, but without further ado, let's hop right into this. Um, so I was doing my research for the Japanese folklore episode, and I came across the Inunaki Tunnel. Uh, so with that, like, I decided to read more into it and do more research because it piqued my interest, like, it caught my attention. Um, and there's, like, some urban legends and folklore involving this location. Um, of course, because I was doing my research on folklore and stuff for last episode. Um, but, like, really quick, also, uh, like, I just want to tell you guys something that's really creepy, um, that is involved with this, and it freaked me out, so... (laughs) While I was reading and, like, researching and stuff, I decided to take a little break, you know, recoup. <laughs> Just relax, because I was doing so much research last night, like, nonstop, because I have so much that I need to do yet. I have two episodes that I need to record. <clears throat> or I might just do the one and get that one done, because it, like, I'm not worried about the mini episode for that week. And I can always do that like last second even because it's a mini episode um but you know what 
But while I was doing my research, I took a break and I was scrolling through TikTok. Now, with TikTok, like, you, stuff comes up on your For You page about stuff that you're interested in. So I'm scrolling through TikTok and this video comes up from an account called Tig Dog Boy. Now, uh, Tig Dog Boy, he talks about, like, um, everything horror. Like, uh, true crime, paranormal, creepy stuff. And the TikTok that came up on my For You page last night was about the Inunaki Tunnel. And I freaked out a little bit. I was like, oh my god, why does this happen to me? Like, last week, while I was recording the Queen Mary episode, a soccer game came on. And that was the and one of the teams that was playing was from Southampton, which was a location that the ship was known to go to. Uh, when I told my dad about that, uh, he was like freaking out a little bit. His jaw dropped. He was like, "Oh, that's creepy." So wait until I tell him about this, because <laughs> I forgot to tell him today. But I just thought I would share that with you guys before we keep going. Um, so for context. I'm going to give you guys, like, I'm going to tell you guys about the urban legend first before we get into the case surrounding the Inunaki Tunnel. Um, supposedly uh, located in the deep Inunaki countryside of Kyushu's Fukuoka Prefecture is a abandoned village that is said to only be accessible through the tunnel. Now, this village has been isolated since the Edo period, which, uh, when I was doing my research, the Edo period is from 1603 to 1867, I think. So, since 1867, this area, like, this village has been isolated, supposedly. Um, and this, uh, did I say island? It's a village. I think I said island. No, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm going through it anyway um but there is I, I the village functions outside of japanese constitution and i believe that there's a sign near the tunnel that warns people of this that like beyond this point this area does not follow the japanese constitution and you're like the moment that you go past your life is at risk and that's freaking me out but um there is no actual like legit record of an isolated village beyond the tunnel. Uh, due to demands, there is a new Inunaki tunnel that was built. So to clear up like confusion, we're not talking about the new one that is like functioning, like, you know. Uh, we're talking about the old, <laughs> the old graffiti covered Inunaki tunnel that is abandoned. So uh, the Inunaki tunnel, the old one, uh, became a great place to dump trash, bodies, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and it was also a great meeting place for organized groups like gangs and such to meet up. Uh, the tunnel is actually blocked off. Like if you go and look at pictures of the tunnel, you will see that like there's these big concrete cinder blocks basically that are piled up against the entrance. So there's like probably no way that you're getting in there, uh, number one. And number two, uh, people who trespass and go into the tunnel and stuff can be charged for attempting to explore it. Um, this whole urban legend has inspired a lot. Like, there's a, a horror game. When I was doing my research, a horror game on Steam came up and it is based around the Inunaki Tunnel and is, like, like legit called the Inunaki Tunnel. Like, it's a Japanese horror game. Um, and there's also movies that were made and 
like all that stuff. Um, so now we're gonna get into the case that took place in the Anunnaki tunnel. Um, like I said before, warning, like TW, it's kind of rough. Like, I, at least I think it's rough. Um, I'm cold. I'm really cold right now. I, I'm like gonna wrap a blanket around myself and hope for warmth, you know? Because I, I need it. <laughs> I'm really cold. My, it's cold in my house and I'm gonna cry. Ah, my water. I have a water bottle, please. Okay. This isn't working and I don't want to move. So we're just doing that. Anyway, uh, so on midday, December 7th, 1988, the burned body of a factory worker named U named Umeyama Koichi was found. Uh, he was 20 years old at the time and he was found at the Inunaki Mountain Pass. Um, police had arrested a group of teenagers from the ages of 16 to 19 from the Tawa, Takawa district under the suspicion that they were responsible for the killing of Umeyama by pouring gasoline on him and setting him on fire. So that, that that's like the more summarized version for you uh, before we get into like the real meat and potatoes. So now we're going to get into it. So if you want to like not listen, then that's fine. Or if you do, then, you know, I'm not going to stop you. Um, all right. So... Gotta take a breath. Get myself ready to talk a bit more. <laughs> Alright, so the incident began when Umeyama was on his way home from work and he had stopped at a stoplight. Uh, while waiting, a group of teenagers approached the car, telling him, We need your car to pick up some girls, so quit acting so tough and get out. Uh, Umeyama refused to get out of his car, as he should, because it's his car, you know? If a bunch of teenagers came up to me at my car and was like, get out of your car, we need to go pick up some girls, I'd be like, aren't you a little too young to be doing that? Because, yeah, I don't know, man. I'd drive off. I don't care if it's a stoplight. I'd leave. <laughs> don't come up to me. But um, uh, when he refused, the teenagers attacked and abducted him from his car, uh, where they then assaulted him, like, over and over. Uh Umeyama actually managed to escape when he noticed a break in the teenager's guard. Um, regardless of his in injuries, uh, he attempted to make his way home. Uh, however, he was unable to get help from passing cars, and the group of teenagers managed to track him down and find him, and they kidnapped him again. Uh, they were very angry that he had managed to get away the first time, and they attempted to throw him off the uh, Konda port. But Umeyama clung to the fence, you know, not wanting to let go. I mean, no one wants to die like that, you know? Um, but uh, one of the teenagers, it said that they started to feel uh, a sense of remorse and or perhaps even fear for what they were doing and suggested that they should just stop and let him go. Um, but the leader of the group was scared about this attempted murder being discovered. Like, I'm sure he was like, well, this dude's going to go to the police like as soon as we let him go. And it is said that he replied with, we're all in this together. Uh, so with that, they decided to kill Umeyama. Uh, they put him in the trunk of his own car and beat him with cranks, wrenches, and other tools. Thinking he was dead, they tried to get rid of the body by dumping him at the Riki, Rikimaru Dam, 
they feared his body would float, so they changed their plan. I wish that they had just, you know, done the river thing because he was still alive. And he probably could have gotten away again, you know? Yeah. I wish... I just wish that they would have stuck with that. <laughs> but, um, deciding to change their plan, they chose that they were going to burn the body. And it would be their best way because it would be impossible to identify who he was. Uh, really quick, I'm going to pause and just ask why. Why did these literal children decide that they were going to attack him? Like, what was the motive here? What what made them decide that we're, like they were going to go do this? Like, they weren't going to kill him first, probably. Like, they pulled him from his car at the stoplight and tortured him still. But, like... I, I don't know. Like, they made the decision to do that, and I don't know why. I don't I don't know if they knew him or something, so that could have been a motive, but I have no idea. But I want to know what made these kids do this. Like, it drives me crazy, because while I was doing my research, I couldn't find, like, any point where they said about motive. Um, but it's, yeah. So, we're going to continue. Uh, once again... Wait, no, not once again. Uh, once they decided to kill him, they needed to get rid of the body, so they headed to the Inunaki Tunnel. What? Trying to get out of here. Be home ASAP. My mom just texted me, so I gotta finish this. Um, okay. Yeah, me using my phone during the podcast to finish text messages. Don't, don't judge. Uh, but once they decided that they were going to kill him, they needed to get rid of the body, and they headed to the old Inunaki tunnel. Um, when there, they poured gasoline uh, on him, which they had gotten from a gas station on the way. They they told the people that worked there that their bike had ran out of gas, so they could acquire this can of gasoline. Um, they poured it over Umeyama's head, which led the man to scream. He wasn't dead. Like I said, he was not dead. Um... When he screamed, it echoed through the tunnel. And even before this happened, there were the stories about the ghosts and all that stuff. So these teenagers got scared. And during this, this allowed Umeyama to run again. And he fled into the forest. He escaped a second time. And I feel like, I feel like just reading this, like my adrenaline is like, like my heart is pounding. And, but I know how this is going to go. And it just hurts, you know, I don't know. Like, um, you know that feeling when you're watching, like, a show or a movie, like, thriller, horror, and, like, for example, I watched the movie Hush, which is about a deaf writer living in the woods, and there's this killer hunting her. Uh, that feeling when you watch something like that, and you're sitting on the edge of your seat, like, biting your fingernails or something, that is how I feel when I'm reading this, but yet I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> That's the thing. I know how this goes. Um, also... Uh, Hush is a really good movie. You guys should totally go watch it, just saying. <laughs> um, if you're into that sort of thing, thriller and horror movies freak me out, and I try to avoid them as much as possible. But a few years ago, I told myself I was going to watch some classic horror and thriller movies, so I had people suggest some to me. Uh, I think I only watched Hush because I gave like I gave up because my heart couldn't handle the rest of the list that I made. Like I had um, Friday the 13th, Halloween on the list, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like I was going to watch... The classics, because I always hear about people saying how good they are. And I wanted to watch them. Uh, and I still want to, but I'm just a really big chicken. <laughs> like, uh, 
Um, I did watch the movie The Ritual, which is uh, one of my friend's favorite uh, movies. And I so I decided to watch it because, you know, they're my friend and I wanted to see why they liked it. Um, and, like, I always, like, watch movies that my friends enjoy because I want to enjoy stuff with them, you know? Um, but I will say that Ritual, The Ritual is a really good movie, but it freaked me out. Uh, if you guys want to watch it, it's on Netflix. I don't know if Hush is on Netflix. I have no idea where Hush is. I think it is on Netflix. I'm not going to check. I'm too lazy. But I think it is. <laughs> uh, Alright, back to the Inunaki Tunnel. So, Umeyama escaped uh, for the second time. And the teenagers were looking for him. Uh, at one point, they actually called out to him. Telling him, we're not going to do anything. So come out. We're not lying. Uh, I'll tell you, when I was reading this, I was screaming <laughs> at my screen, like, no, no, don't believe them, don't do it, <laughs> like, just stay in your little hiding place, please. <laughs> uh, but he sadly believed them and stepped out of his hiding spot. Uh, they captured him for a third time, and this time, uh, to keep him from making noise, they stuffed rip clothes uh, into his mouth to keep him from screaming. They tied his hands and feet together before they repeatedly hit him over the head with a stone. <sighs> oh my god. Um, it is said, like this is really gruesome, but it is said that blood spray from this flew far enough away to land on a guardrail nearby. And as much as they did, like hit him and stuff, he still didn't die. Like he was still like alive and begging for his life. Um, these teenagers showed no emotion and they poured gasoline on him again and they set him on fire. And Umeyama was still alive and he stayed alive for a good while asking for help and struggling to get away. Um, he actually managed to run all the way back to the entrance of the tunnel but at that moment his strength gave out and he collapsed. Um, the teenagers left and eventually came back to make sure he was dead this time. And once they figured out he was, uh, they headed back to the Fuku Fukuoka city. Um, it is said that uh, the, the teens went to a bar after this. And it, it is said that they were overheard like being cheerful and boasting about how they just killed someone and set him on fire. Like, I don't know about you guys, but that's not something to be proud of. <laughs> just saying. Um... Like, these kids, like, they were literal kids and they decided to do this. They ruined their future and they took away another person's future in the process. Like, there's so many cases that make me mad and or frustrated in a way. And this is definitely going to be, like, in that little slot, because you know. I mean, most cases, like, murder and stuff is going to make you mad because of someone losing their life. Like, it is not something to I don't know it's just rough all of it's just rough <laughs> um so Umeyama's body was discovered the following day and his cause of death was listed as blood loss from the head thanks to the several brutal beatings he had taken um so the teens were actually arrested for the crime the following day as well and they were on trial, uh, they were sentenced to life, and that was all I could find on the first trial. But on March 8th, 1991, 
The main perpetrator, like the leader of the group, uh, he had an appeal trial because uh, he believed that there was no clear intention to kill and the sentence, like life sentence, was too harsh. I'm sorry. You know, you took a person's life in such a brutal way. Like, if you, if you did that, you deserve to spend the rest of your life in prison for that crime. Deal with it. Like, I know that that's harsh, but I don't care. Like, if you take a person's life, you should be in prison for the life to pay for the life that you took. Like, I guess my words are understandable. You know, it's just like my personal thing. Like, I just feel like murder, if you are, like, there's enough evidence and stuff and you were convicted of murder, then you should be in prison for life. None of that, like, oh, you get out early on good behavior or something like that. Like, I don't. I don't really like that. Um, that is my personal thing. I also don't believe in the death penalty because I feel like the death penalty is like letting someone off too easy. Like they deserve to sit there and think about what they did. Like <laughs> they deserve to get put on timeout for life. <laughs> but um, thankfully the judge on the appeal case, uh, her name was Maida. Kazuaki, Kazuaki, yeah, Um, and she said that the cruelty displayed is unlike any other seen in similar cases. The defendant played a central role and so bears the heavy responsibility. Uh, His appeal was rejected and the other teens were also found guilty. And I find that very satisfying because, like, he was like, he has his appeal and stuff and he's like the punishment was too harsh and the judge is like well the crime was too harsh so suck it anyway (laughs) uh we're gonna end that right there (laughs) and i'm surprised that we're actually well we went past 20 minutes but we're at 22 minutes now like exactly 22 but um i'm gonna stop it before i continue any further i'm probably gonna do more like true crime more so because I feel like I too I do way too many paranormal things and I want to talk more about true crime with you guys like murder and those kind of cases like I need to get into those um like oh god (laughs) I definitely I know for a fact that I'm gonna do some of like the big cases like I mean I'm probably gonna talk about Ted Bundy um Ed Kemper Uh, Charles Manson like I'm probably gonna get to those guys eventually Uh, I'm just really like I'm in the more paranormal stuff than that (laughs) and I I don't want to talk about them yet (laughs) I don't know why I just don't want to um but uh I still have more I need to record and I'm recording this all in advance like Axeman Mini, Japanese Folklore and this have been recorded within the same day And I'm going on vacation, like, I'm leaving at 1 in the morning, I think, and I don't want to leave you guys hanging while I'm gone. Like, I don't want to leave you guys with nothing while I'm away. Um, so I'm trying to get, like, all kinds of stuff recorded, like, up to, um, March 1st. I'm coming home the 27th, and my birthday's on the 28th, but I want to have, like, March 1st, like, that episode recorded um and then i'll worry about the mini episode the next two days so there's that and then i have other stuff that i need to get planned out 
Oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> um, so we're going to end this episode here. Uh, usually uh, you can find me. Oh my God, my blanket just fell around my face. I have a blanket wrapped around my shoulders and it fell down over my face. I'm like, okay, fine. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, as usual, you can find me on Instagram at unearthlypod22. You can also find me on Twitter at unearthlypod22. And uh, you can even shoot me an email at unearthlypod22 at email at gmail.com. Oh, my God. Um, and if you feel so inclined, you can drop a little something in my tip jar located on Ko-Fi, which can be found in the show notes. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I hope you have an amazing day or night wherever you are in the world or whenever you're listening to this episode. Uh, I will see you. In the next episode, my unearthlings. Mwahahaha. Okay. Yeah, not doing that ever again. I was gonna, like, do, like, a whole, like, mwahaha, like, a big laugh. But, you know, I can't do that. So, it's fine. Uh, bye.